Welcome to Mind Body Soul Radio, broadcasting from New York City with Mind Body Soul Yoga Studio founder and Mystic Mama Alyssa Snow. Awakening, healing, yoga. We're getting real and we're getting gritty because, as they say, no mud, no lotus. And now your host, Alyssa Snow. This is Alyssa Snow with Mind Body Soul Radio back with season two. I am excited to bring you uh, a story today from my heart and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep one, it's a vulnerable one so I, I, I share it in the hopes that it helps you and that in some way it resonates and that in some way it serves. But before we begin, before we dive into that, I'd like to simply begin with an invocation. And so bringing us all into the same vibration, even though I'm recording this at a different time that you're listening to it. So when we come together with this prayer, we cross time and space and we we meet. And so let's do that. Wherever you are, close your eyes. Take a nice deep, deep breath in. And a complete breath out. We honor the father, the intellect, the healthy problem-solving psychological mind. We honor our fathers, all fathers before them and all fathers now. We honor those qualities within us and them and all. We honor the mother, the nurturing, unconditional love of a full heart. We honor our mothers, all mothers before them and all mothers now. We honor those qualities within us and them and all. And we honor the teacher and the carriers of knowledge that become wisdom. Teachers that come in all forms, in all situations, we honor them. We honor the teachers and the wisdoms within us and all around us. For life is a teacher and we are its students. And we honor God and the loving energy of intentional creation. We honor creation as an expression of love. We honor the creation of all that is, including us. Thought is creative and we are creators so let us create consciously and invite all spirits masters and ancestors divine light into this transmission to you so my heart extends to your heart in a way that feels nurturing in a way that feels useful in a way that feels that I was of service to you So thank you, thank you for listening. I've been wanting to share this story with you. I haven't really, I've actually sat down to record the podcast a few times and have rambled on and on and on and have not made much sense, frankly. And so I I decided to sit down this morning and write a newsletter to you all. And I I said, okay, how how am I gonna get this out? Because it's a a whopper of of a story. Or at least, you know, in my mind, I'm not real good with brevity, you know, terseness. It's not really a skill I have. Um, Anyway, so I just sat down and I wrote 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 and I I looked up and it was 2,500 words later. And I thought, oh, that's no good. I cannot subject you to 2,500 words in a newsletter. So this is going to be half newsletter and half podcast, really. So what you're listening to, you might have read a little bit, but 
but hold on, hold on, because there's there's some juicy stuff here. Um, but I wanted to share a powerful transformation that I experienced in 2019. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been on this path of transformation and doing transformational work and working with yoga and breath and working with plant medicine. And, you know, I, I think this is one of the biggest experiences I've had. And um, because I'm extending an opportunity for you to experience this at the studio in March, I wanted to, I wanted to give a little bit more information. And so those of us that do yoga, right, we realize through our yoga practice that it has a way of bringing us into awareness of all of the different layers of our being. So we place our body in a certain way, we become aware of this physical aspect of us, right? Our muscles, our bones, our tissues, like the physicality of our existence, very obvious. But we also become aware of our emotions, feelings that rise up. And it's, and it's not just the negative ones too because there's a sense of freedom and peace and happiness that can come from a yoga practice, but also, We've all had experiences where irritation rise up. Someone's mat's a little close to ours. Someone's foot's on our mat. Irritated. Irritated, are you? Anger. Sadness. You know, all of these emotions or feelings are normal, but sometimes they lay latent in our field. And they come up when we are still enough to allow them to. But we also become aware of our thinking, right? Our internal dialogue mostly, but also our beliefs about ourselves, what we think we can and cannot do, how we may limit ourselves, or how we may push ourselves, both, all of it. But essentially here we are, we become hopefully more aware of our patterns, the patterns of moving, placing our body, our patterns of thinking, and our patterns of emoting. And so yoga, as you've noticed, as you've practiced, begins the process of unraveling patterns that don't serve your highest good. So we can create new patterns that do. It's a slow, slow process. But what is this magic ingredient to your yoga practice that facilitates this? It's the breath. Your conscious awareness and control of your breath. Because yoga without conscious breath is just exercise. Exercise is awesome. I love it. But it doesn't initiate a transformation of your consciousness. The breath does. And so there are so many different breathing techniques that we can use medicinally. Some of you have used in group yoga classes. Alternate nostril breath can bring balance to your endocrine system and boost immunity, balance your mood. Sitali pranayama, that breath that you do with uh, sticking your tongue out and curling it and sucking in like a straw, that's a cooling breath. It brings cooling to your system. Breath of fire can bring heat. There are also some breathing techniques that you can do that bring you into a non-ordinary state of consciousness wherein you can access the deepest roots of trauma and imprints that reside in the unconscious mind. And these very roots of these beliefs could be that we're not enough, that we're not lovable, that we're broken or flawed in some way, that we need to make this life happen or nothing's going to happen. 
the breath that I've been working with and studying is essentially a holotropic breath technique with a focus on perinatal psychology. So we call this rebirthing or first breath. So let's back up a second, right? What is holotropic breath? So there's a teacher, a psychologist, a doctor named um, Stanislav Grof who coined this term and he defines it as a composite word that essentially means oriented towards wholeness. He states, and I totally agree, that in our everyday life, we identify with only a small portion of this basic sum total of our consciousness. But it's what we're unconscious of, y'all, that causes us the problems. These traumas and imprints, they reside unprocessed in our psyche. And it causes a myriad of suffering from addiction to depression to chronic pain to illness. All of it. Non-ordinary states of consciousness accessed through this breath can help us resolve wounds from sort of three major aspects of our psyche. And so you can think about this biographical aspect of your psyche, right? Things that happen to us during our life, like our life story, shit that happens to us. Um, our perinatal aspect of our psyche, right? This is our experience in utero. This is our experience during the birth process and in the days and the weeks, maybe even a few months following birth. And also the transpersonal aspect of our psyche. These are imprints that are outside of this particular body, such as generational trauma or past life stuff, if you believe in that. So we use this breath, this particular technique, in concert with a loving, trained facilitator to help us process and integrate what we become aware of so we can create change. So if you've ever had a plant medicine ceremony, it's similar, but not as intense. And I want to, I want to share with you my experiences because I think that it might explain why this is useful and also give no explanation to something that sounds maybe a little bit vague and so in the past year I've had 13 rebirthing sessions 10 of them between September and now so what is that what is a rebirthing session so the rebirthing breath, te breath technique is is a holotropic breath technique wherein you breathe through the mouth at a pretty fast pace in a circular fashion so a <sighs> There's no pause at the bottom or the top. It is, you could say, controlled hyperventilation. It's perfectly safe. Intense, but safe. And sessions have you breathing in this pattern for a minimum of 45 minutes. So I want to share some stuff that came up and, and, and some personal transformations that I have. But first I want to share an experience that I had in my very first session which was profound in, in such an interesting way. And during one of my first sessions, you know, my breath is flowing and I became aware of my grandmother, my yaya, my father's mother. So my dad's an only child and my grandmother died in 2003. We were, we were pretty close. And as I breathed, I was flooded with this awareness of her and this knowing that she longed for a daughter. It was like this awareness, this information was just boom, like implanted in my 
awareness as fact. This knowing also that she had two miscarriages and prayed and prayed and prayed that I would be a girl. I was literally sort of steeped in this longing for daughters. And I experienced her sorrow that she had none of her own. And I also experienced a knowing that my having four daughters is a fulfillment of her desire in some, in some way, like they were connected. So when I finished that breath, you know, I'm in relaxation and it left me a little stunned because this wasn't information that anyone ever told me before. My grandmother certainly never told me about her miscarriages. I knew that she was excited that I was a girl. Like I, I knew that she, I was the firstborn grandchild. So I called my mom and I told her about the experience and I asked her if she knew if Yaya had miscarried it or if she wanted a daughter or any of that. And my mom was stunned. My mom, who's, you know, totally interested in this stuff, but doesn't necessarily, you know, doesn't understand it or, or believe it or, you know, she thinks I do groovy things, but is always, you know, hmm, I wonder what, what's that about kind of thing. Anyway, she told me my grandmother had at least one miscarriage that my mom knew about and that she, she knew from conversations with my grandmother that she always longed for a daughter so much so that she had tried to adopt a little girl from Greece but was convinced not to by her mom for whatever reason but she did pray she did indeed pray and pray for a granddaughter and and took care of me a lot when I was a baby so that experience showed me that there's this deep connection between my grandmother's psyche and my own life experience I felt that her connection to me, maybe even in utero, or her connection to me generationally, her connection to me holding me when I was a little baby imprinted on me somehow. I mean, I never expected to have four daughters, but here I am, right? So this breathwork that I experienced that initial weekend of the training, which is the same training that we're offering this March, began this process of unearthing aspects of my psyche that were ready to be unearthed. And that weekend was super interesting and I learned a lot and had that big experience, but it's over the next few months that really the work started to begin because you know, as, as with all of this stuff, whether it's plant medicine or even yoga, we feel good on the yoga mat, then we go home and we say, what do we do with this stuff? The transformation doesn't happen during sessions happens after integration but in the next few months I carried on as usual right being a working mom in New York City being in a state of such familiar overwhelm I didn't even realize that it was my state I don't even know when I'm overwhelmed y'all I don't even know I drive from New York City to the Bronx from the Bronx to New York City every day drop my kids off at this school and that school come into the studio do my thing go back go home cook dinner I mean, it's like this rhythm of doing. And I have my practice and I have my meditation, but there's a lot of doing in my day. But I thought I was, I thought I was rocking it. You know, I'm exercising, I'm yogaing, I'm meditating, and eating well. Then I got shingles. Ah, 
Shocked the shit out of me, y'all. I thought I was taking care of myself so well. I thought I was rocking this self-care thing. And I was like, what, 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 what? And I Googled, why would a 46-year-old woman get shingles? And the main answer was stress. So I realized my body was telling me that it was tired. But there was this disconnect between how I was thinking I was doing and how I was thinking of handling the rhythm of my life and how my body felt it was. So this experience of feeling like, ah, got that wrong. I'm getting it wrong. I'm getting myself wrong. That's how I took it. Triggered a major backslide in my wellness and in my sobriety. Because the pain of the shingles was so extreme, it was on the back of my thighs and my butt. Couldn't sit down, couldn't really lie down. I started smoking pot again, daily. And so I've had an on-again, off-again relationship with this plant for 25 years. And if I were to be really real with you, it's been mostly on. Not daily, but enough. Certainly weekly. And I've used it to cure my feeling of overwhelm for as long as I can remember. But what marijuana does is basically put a warm, fuzzy blanket over my discomfort. And I've, you've probably heard me say this before. And I heard... Recently, a woman say marijuana is numbness masquerading as oneness. That makes sense. Because it replaces my practice of meditation and yoga. And it just makes me feel fine in the moment. But then afterwards, it makes me feel like I'm doing it all wrong, which makes me feel overwhelmed, which makes me want to numb. It's a nice solid pattern that's been bringing me suffering on a silver platter for a long time. And I know I'm not alone, which is why I'm sharing it with you, because we all have our own version of this. I know you all get it. And so here I am in August, the month I'd been looking forward to all summer because I was going to be off with my kids, going to the beach, sitting by the pool, going glamping. Yeah, y'all, don't go glamping with six kids and two grown-ups. Don't, don't do that. Just a little public service announcement. So, but I had shingles. And was back in my addiction and miserable. All I saw were fighting kids who ate every three minutes and thought goggles were a divine right of the swimming pool experience. And I felt immersed in this feeling that I was doing it all wrong or not doing it good enough. My teaching career isn't good enough. My spiritual practice isn't good enough. My experience of, as a mother trying to enjoy time off with her kids wasn't good enough. My process of awakening isn't good enough. I was not fucking good enough. Still. And so it was. I'm a mess. I'm a mess on the inside. And then I found my journals. I'm at my parents' house. There's a trunk in my mom's room. I opened it up, and there are all my journals from 1998 through 2005. Huh. And there I was. I sat by the pool while my kids fought over goggles. And I read them all. And I took notes, I'm a dork, you know. But I felt that there was something to learn here. Something here for me now. Oh, boy, was there. And I learned that there are two Alyssas, right? I'm reading these two voices, these two different girls, one that was overwhelmed and often nursing a broken heart or disappointment and was really mean to herself. She would refer to herself as pathetic, lonely, depressed, not strong, not disciplined enough, not lovable, confused and fighting, always, always fighting with his monkey on her back, marijuana. 
Alyssa too, well, she was really into yoga. She practiced daily. She loved it. She loved herself. She saw her own power. She felt her own power. She accepted. She loved herself. She was comfortable in her skin. She had a strong vision of herself as a teacher, a healer, a leader. She wrote about love and light a lot. She was sober. And reading my words back to myself made me love myself so much. Oh my gosh. I gained such deep compassion for that Alyssa in pain, that sweet, sweet girl. She didn't know that numbing, confused Alyssa because here I was. I was her again. But I was her again with a different consciousness about it, different awareness, because here I know I had quick access to Alyssa in the light. I didn't have to stay where I was. I realized I could let that other girl go, that other identity. And reading words that I wrote over 10 years ago that still resonated now made me realize that it was time to let her go, like for good. But I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what to do. I had no plan. I knew that I was going to get sober again. And that's all I knew. I knew a glass of wine made a little pot seem like a grand idea, so I realized that they both had to go. So it was kind of a big deal. But then my teacher, Georgia, who was aware of my struggles, suggested we do the work, the deep rebirthing work to create change, deep permanent change. And so it began. Over the next 14 weeks or so, I had 10 breath sessions with Georgia. My understanding of my pattern of overwhelming myself and my numbing became pretty clear. See, these rebirthing, this breath brings us into awareness of the imprints of patterning that happen in, in utero. These imprints become patterns in our psyche and they affect our behavior. They affect how we are. So imagine, for example, imagine if you will, a healthy, relaxed pregnancy. Mom's relaxed and happy. She goes into labor and goes to the hospital. She's feeling what a woman feels like. Most women feel like when they're in labor, powerful, intense, focused. And then a doctor, in this case, a male doctor, tells her it's not moving fast enough. She disagrees. He ties her arms up as she screams for him not to do that. She recalls screaming, please don't tie me up. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. Please don't tie me up. Then the doctor administers Pitocin which speeds up the labor dramatically. And then he administers what's called twilight sleep, a combination of morphine and scopolamine, which is pain relief and basically amnesia, effectively knocking my mom out and wiping her memory of the actual birth experience. So what do you think that experience was for me in utero? I don't have a linguistic brain to process this, but one might say I was in the birth process, having my own timing, and then I was sped up. Contractions intensified, seemingly out of nowhere. And that may have felt overwhelming, no? And then right after that systemic overwhelm of sensations, I'm knocked out from the meds my mom was given. Overwhelm, followed by numbing. The root of the pattern I'd been struggling with for most of my adult life. 
And during my breath sessions, I experienced this. I experienced the overwhelm in terms of sensations and impressions. I experienced the desire to sink into the abyss of unconscious. I re-experienced this in a safe and held way to fully process the trauma in my field. And with that experience and the applied use of affirmations, it begins to negate these patterns. So patterns I was able to work directly on, right? My belief that I'm doing it wrong or not good enough. My condition response that I believe that I have to work my ass off in order to fix it, right? Fix the fact that I'm not good enough or not doing it enough, which results in overwhelm. And the only way to ease this feeling of overwhelm is to numb it with marijuana in my case. So I'm not going to lie. There's some deep work to do in partnership with these breath sessions, this affirmation work, my yoga practice, my meditation practice. I had to take the time to do this for myself. And it's ongoing. The bulk of it happened over 12 weeks. I did it. And right now I've, I've got no pull for marijuana, but I'm also very aware that, you know, sobriety is tricky, right? And I know that what I need to address is actually the root of it. This belief that I'm not good enough. And when I see that rise to the surface, I can negate it. I'm more aware of it. And it's happening all over the place and in situations with people or with situations with my mind, all all of it. It happens all the time. My, My initial response in my mind is to think I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it good enough. And then my mind generates all these thoughts in order to fix it. Well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you could do that. And then another version of me would have done all those things and overwhelmed herself. So I'm more aware now of when I choose to overwhelm myself and how to choose otherwise. So I got to keep my schedule spacious. I just do. I've got three little ones. I've got two 11-year-olds and an eight-year-old. They need me. They need my presence. I don't put crazy goals on myself. You know, I could, I want to do all sorts of things. I want to teach all sorts of things. But if I put goals on myself, then, then I feel pressure. And then I'm very sensitive to feeling overwhelmed. So I don't. And my mind is clear. I feel relaxed. That's the opposite of overwhelm. And I can't tell you this pattern's gone, right? It's there. Because the mind still generates these thoughts. It's still happening. But I'm creating new patterns over and over and over again with every conscious choice I make. And this is, this is how transformation happens. There's no pill. There's no big breath. There's no one thing that you can do and poof, you're changed. It doesn't work that way. This beautiful brain of ours, this neuroplasticity is what we call it. We can change our beliefs, but change has to happen through experience. We simply have to make different choices. And when we do this work, when we do this big, deep work of bringing up these patterns from our psyche that we're not even aware of, it creates space in between the thought that comes up, right? That patterned thought from the trauma and the action and the experience. So we see it. We negate it. And we ultimately change. We change ourselves. 
And so I share this with you because I invite you to consider doing this work with me. I do it with people one-on-one and Carrie and Georgia, my teachers, are coming in March to do this in a group setting. It's some of the deepest, most amazing and powerful transformational work I've ever done. And over the last 25 years, I've done a lot, so it's saying a lot. So I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, if you're interested in this. I'd love to hear how I may serve you. And I'd also love to hear if you're interested in sharing a story of your own awakening with your community. There's a few students and community members here that you'll be hearing from over the next few months that have amazing stories of their own transformation, of their own faith, of their own vulnerabilities and stepping into power, what that looks like. You know, there are inspirational people, powerful people everywhere, and they're probably right next to you on your yoga mat. They're not who we see on Instagram or TV or whatever we're viewing. They're not out there. They're not untouchable. They're right here, right next to you. They're you. So I invite you to share yourself. There's power in that. We learn from each other. So until next time, thanks for listening. I appreciate you. And I love you. Namaste.